Welcome to the Contact Center Gurus, the podcast for contact center and customer experience leaders. Learn best practices, new technologies, tips and tricks, and more. Today's episode is sponsored by Support Logic. Support Logic is the world's first support experience platform for customer support leaders, helping you move from providing reactive to proactive support. Reduce customer escalations by 40%, reduce customer churn by 25%, improve proactive outreach by 60% and more. Extract the voice of the customer in real time without surveys. Elevate your customer support and transform your customer experience with groundbreaking applications for next-generation customer service and support. Change the game with applications that leverage innovative AI and NLP technology, intelligent workflows, and intuitive UI for the SX platform. Sign up now for a free sandbox environment at www.supportlogic.io. This podcast is sponsored by Balto. Do your reps forget the right things to say on calls? Do they frequently put customers on hold because they don't know the answer? Or maybe they forget to ask discovery questions that help qualify customers. With Balto, you can guide each rep through their conversations at the push of a button. Balto rides along your rep's screens, listens to both sides of the conversation, and shows them the best things to say live on the call. After just 14 weeks of using Balto, National General Insurance saw 16% higher conversions and 53-second lower handle times. Head over to balto.ai backslash guru to get a free pair of Bose headphones for a demo. That's B-A-L-T-O dot A-I backslash G-U-R-U. This podcast is also sponsored by OzoneTel. Is a contact center part of your customer service strategy? OzoneTel's AI-assisted platform will help you deliver the best experience possible. It's an affordable contact center solution with advanced features, deep native integrations, and outstanding service. There are no contracts or annual commitments, and you can get a basic contact center deployed within hours. Experience it yourself with a free trial at www.ozonetel.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Tech Gurus. Cloud Tech Gurus are the hottest technology matchmakers for contact center leaders in the country. Sourcing technologies and solution providers is grueling, time-consuming, and complicated. They make the process simpler and more efficient. The gurus map out your requirements, source solutions providers, help you choose the one that is the right fit, and help manage the implementation, all at no cost. They work with nearly every major vendor, more than 150 solutions providers, and are vendor agnostic. They help save you time, money, and headaches. Visit www.cloudtechgurus.com to learn more. Now, let's listen in. Hello, everyone. I'm Darren Prine, and welcome to the Contact Center Gurus podcast featuring virtual live labs. And with us today is Vicki Brackett, a longtime friend. I'm a big fan of Vicki's. She's the uh, architect founder for Virtual Live Labs, a transformative methodology that combines interactive consulting and leadership development simultaneously to drive operational excellence and increased leadership skills for all levels of leadership, including frontline supervisors. All right, Vicki, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on, and I think we're going to cover some very exciting topics here to, here today. Sounds great. So our, uh, our title for today, uh, our topic, if you will, is how to fix a fast-moving train, which is an exciting topic, probably the most exciting we've had. Um, and we're going to cover improved operational excellence, performance, and retention, um, and ultimately, employees have lost faith in leaders' ability to move the business forward. Supervisors are trying to band-aid processes and the lack of technology to keep their teams moving. Uh, frustration is leading to a mass exodus, increased recruiting, hiring, onboarding, training, nesting, and new agent speed to competency all cost money. 
Eroding brand reputation as a result of negative customer care interactions is, costing, is causing customers to jump ship and move to the competition in hopes of a better customer experience. So how do we fix this? So uh, that's where we'll kind of start in today, Vicki. So maybe let's start, if you can give us a little background on yourself, uh, an overview on Virtual Live Labs. Absolutely. Uh, I guess, Darren, I uh, started in the industry just like everybody else did by accident. <laughs> uh, none of us uh, you know, think at five years old or 10 years old that we're going to be in the contact center space and customer service, right? But we <laughs> right. accidentally sort of stumble into it and we love people and we love serving. And so you know, here I am 20 plus years later uh, doing this. Um, and I, I think the reason that companies have hired me to lead their organizations has been very simple. And this is, speaks to my background historically through every year is literally that they are looking for accelerated results in driving operational excellence. In other words, closing those gaps. They're looking for engagement strategies. They're looking to have people show up for work, serve customers, the journey, also to make sure that they're not treating these, these agents out. Uh, and so they really can help build their brand. And then it all comes back to KPIs, right? And making sure you're staffed appropriately. And all of this comes back to how you engage the employee. And so that's sort of my claim to fame, accelerated results where you're fixing operational issues and at the same time, infusing leadership skills and, and strategies specifically for the work at home environment, because that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years since 2001 is being work at home. And it has a whole variety of different challenges and you really have to re-engineer your strategies, your tools, and, and really how you lead every day. Everything has to be re-engineered. Well, let's start with some of the challenges that you currently see in the contact center industry. Okay, well, um, I, I think really it, it comes down to uh, people, processes, and technology. That's what we all uh, understand. I'm gonna start mm -hmm. with the technology first. So here's what um, we're seeing. We're seeing um, everybody gravitate toward technology thinking it's gonna fix their problem. They're putting the cart before the horse. And I've written many articles, done other podcasts on this particular subject, because really what you need is you need an employee engagement uh, program and the technology just puts it on steroids, right? It makes it just boom. And so that's what the technology does. And what we're seeing is executive levels thinking they're gonna get the magic bullet. They invest the money and almost every situation we've been in literally is that they're not utilizing the technology that they've purchased because they didn't have this, this program uh, that the technology is gonna use to, to drive it forward. So it's not the silver bullet. And we're seeing frontline supervisors really struggling with trying to get their work done because they're chasing people using you know, processes that don't work and the technology always has workarounds. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that real challenge with the technology piece. And AI, it's not the be all do all. I mean, we've got to have it, but it's a learning process for AI. So what are you going to do in the meantime as you're cultivating that AI process? So eventually mm -hmm. it takes over and you get the great results that you purchased it for. And same yep. thing with engagement software gamification. They think that's the silver bullet, but you've got to have the sort of the cocoon, the, the, the program that all that sits in. Mm -hmm. I and when you talk about the, the processes, um, we see processes just developed in vacuums. Mm -hmm. So a middle manager, supervisor, somebody sees a problem, it gets upstairs and the technology people or HR or operation, you know, process, you know, engineers come in and they sort of fix this process. Then when they drive it to the, the front lines, what we're seeing is it had the change isn't ready for the virtual floor. And then we're seeing the employees, you've all seen this, the rolling of the eyes, right? It's like, oh, now it takes me five steps instead of three. This hasn't helped me because the process has been in this vacuum. So when executives say, well, you know, we'll ask the front lines, they send a survey. That's not enough. You have to totally engage your people. And that's the challenge that we're seeing with the processes. They're not engaging the front lines and the people that are utilizing those processes. And so the processes are falling flat on the virtual floor and they're not sticking. And they're causing a lot of challenges, which goes to the next issue. It's the people. Mm -hmm. And so here's this crisis cycle that we have actually identified at Virtual Live Labs. And basically when that process or that new technology or whatever that change in hits the floor, if employees haven't been engaged and feel really part of the solution, and by the way, it's not 
what executives think or the call center manager or director. It's what do the employees think and feel? That's really the, the barometer. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they get frustrated. So then they get lost in the virtual hallways. And what does that mean? Well, they're throwing the ball to the dog before they come to their out of their break or out of lunch or to the, to the work and starting their shift. They're putting the clothes into the dryer from the washer. They're making a sandwich. They're calling their mother, right? They're doing two last texts. Anyway, they're late. So all of that throws off utilization, throws off staffing requirements. Now people are late. So what do supervisors do? Well, they're chasing people that didn't show up and they're dialing, trying to get them to come in. So they're wasting coaching time or they're doing performance management because now we have to write those people up, right? We have to give them verbal warnings and so many written and HR gets involved. Instead of coaching people on the customer and helping them, now we're writing them up and doing more performance management. So what happens? Mm -hmm. Employees decide they're just not gonna come to work. And so the supervisors are dialing. And if they happen to come in, they're getting written up. So guess what happens then? They had tread out, they don't come to work. And so now you have to start the cycle all over. So now you have to source, recruit, onboard, train, and nest. And then you've got that speed to competency for brand new people. And it's a vicious cycle. And so people just get frustrated. They just end up leaving. And it costs the company thousands, if you're really a small organization, hundreds of thousands of dollars off your bottom line if you're a mid-side. If you're a large company, it's bleeding millions of dollars off your bottom line. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. So that leads us to, uh, we talked about people, processes, technology, and certainly I, I see all the time people think that technology is going to solve for it. But if the people, if the people part's not already worked out and they have poor processes, the technology is not going to be the, the fix it <laughs> for them. I agree completely. So well, that leads us to the leadership. And what types of challenges are you seeing with leadership at different levels within the industry? Great question. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a vacuum in the middle. And what I tell executives is this, because they're looking at numbers. That's what they're looking at. Maybe an employee engagement survey, right? Um, Because they've lost connection with the floor because it's all down so many levels. So I tell executives this, when that number shows up on that spreadsheet or report, you're already in a spiral down. This is not brick and mortar where you can run out and have a pizza party or bring in ice cream and have a social and get people jazzed up, get the sugar in them or the carbs, and then they're going to sort of pull themselves out. That number continues to spiral. It sort of levels off, takes another dip, and then it starts to climb. That space could be weeks or months. So you really have to understand the ground. So we're seeing this vacuum. We're seeing middle managers, your call center managers and your directors, not tell executives what they need. And if they do, it's falling on deaf ears because people think it's gonna cost money, right? Because it's the bottom line, right? How much money is it gonna cost? And the poor supervisors are down there on the front lines just pedaling away, trying to glue everything together with the antiquated processes that don't work and work at home, with employees are just trying to get to show up and people have to connect in virtual, just like they did in brick and mortar, they have to talk. So on coaching sessions and our interactions, Employees just wanna talk with their supervisor. So we see these major gaps. People are afraid they're gonna lose their job. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people when they say, oh, our culture is fantastic or, oh my gosh, my organization's not like that. I was like, what do your people say? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the leaders say at any level. What do the people on the front line say? That's Mm -hmm. the barometer. So that's what we're seeing, just major disconnect. And if those companies that are connected, they just don't know what to do because everything has to be totally re-engineered. How you hire, how you train, how you nest, all of that Mm -hmm. has to be how you performance manage all the technology, your processes, how you drive change. It all has to be changed in virtual. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of the challenges trickling down from the highest level, (laughs) the C-level down, you know, in companies that don't have the processes right. And uh, the, pe- the people processes and, you know, let's forget about technology. If that part's not right, usually you can kind of go up the chain and you'll see the problem starts at the top down and their lack of vision of, of their organization, their customer care. Uh, so I see that as well. And I have a lot of clients right now where they think the solution's an AI powered uh, quality assurance software. That'll fix everything. That way they'll know who to coach, when to coach and how to coach them but still it doesn't address the other problems. So uh, it'll only get you so far. 
Well, so, I, think uh, re- I think it's reactionary leadership, Darren. Uh-huh. They're reacting to something instead of being active leaders and getting in front of it. I, I mm-hmm. really believe that's it. And what companies need, they need a hero. They need some leader at the top to be the hero to say, you know what, I'm gonna, the buck stops with me. I'm going to look at myself first and my whole organization, including the C-level. We need to look at our business different. And not a, you know, companies need that hero. And it takes a lot of guts to step out and do not the norm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's probably why a lot of folks love when a consultant comes in, because they might have been telling the folks above them for some time, this is a problem, this is something we need to address, and nothing happens. A consultant comes in, (laughs) who the upper management see in a different light, we need to fix this, this, and that before we could ever look at technologies or prioritize technologies or leverage anything. Oh, that's brilliant. We should do that. Um, what are the frustrations you're seeing with, with agents? I mean, obviously, we have the mess. We have the great resignation. Uh, more and more people uh, are leaving their jobs. Call center agents are leaving their jobs. There's all these new challenges now with working at home that they might not have faced before the pandemic. So what are you seeing as things that are frustrating agents, causing them to want to leave Um and for companies not to have the loyalty and culture that they should. Okay, um, great question. I think that who's in the chairs is is who you need to look at, right? And mostly it's the Gen Zs, right? And the millennials, those, those are the ones that are sitting in those chairs for, for the most part, for the vast majority. You've got other mm-hmm. generations in there. Those two generations, more than any other, they want to say in what happens, they want incremental steps, not these big, I'm going from an agent to a, you know, a team leader or supervisor. They want incremental steps. They want to do something other than being on the phone. Now, the first thing somebody will say is, well, you know, that's what we're paid to do. You know, we're cost center. We're not a profit center if you're customer mm-hmm. service or technical support. But if you reallocate labor dollars, if you really think differently, you really can come up with incremental steps. That's the first thing. The second thing we're seeing agents frustrated with is their schedule. So, you know, in my contact centers, when I was actually a leader, which is the vast majority of my career, it's like, let them write their own schedule and base it on performance. I don't mean shift bids because I'm against shift bids, but let them pick the hours that they need. Because here's what I found out with human nature. If you give them X, they'll do Y for you as a favor. If you, if you can't get that shift on that Saturday morning and, and, and once a month, they got to come in and work the shift nobody wants, they'll do it if they can get the other things. Right. And Mm -hmm. now they're working around homeschooling because a lot of parents have not sent their children back to school. They're working around aging parents and they just want a different balance and quality of life and they're stressed. So we've got changes at work and we've got all this external pressure, inflation, other things that are happening in the world, uh, things that are happening domestically. And so all that's pushing on people. So scheduling, letting them have a say and really allocating labor dollars in a different way to be very creative. They want to be listened to. Why are we hiring trainers for poor money when we can have top agents do that? I mean, there's different, again, reallocating dollars. And you, you can be very creative with supervisory positions as well. You don't have to have the same ratios to agents with supervisors or team leaders. Be creative. And this is one of the things that I've done for 20 years. And it's one of the things we do at Virtual Live Labs. Yeah. And I like what you said about the letting them come up with custom schedules. And a comment on that is let's use stay-at-home moms as an example. And there's many, many that they, they were an executive. They've got their degree. They've been an executive. They're skilled. They're talented. But they're not able to work because the traditional nine to five. <laughs> or they can't just go out and, uh, and do something in retail. Uh, so they would make for the perfect customer care agent or any other level of company. I'm not going to limit them to that. But, uh, but because of the scheduling, um, it, it won't work. They can't do that. But with what you've just explained or described, that would be perfect. I could see companies actually acquiring new talent that they wouldn't have been able to without it. Well, what you're right, what they need and where I think is a, a vacuum is mm-hmm. workforce managers that truly are creative. I've been very fortunate in my years to have very creative workforce managers that are really willing to massage the schedules because it takes a lot of, even if you have automation, you know, it's if, if the supervisor works from eight to five and Mary wants to on Thursday night, she wants to work in the evenings. Who's watching Mary? Who's supervising Mary? So again, we come up with, and I've done this for years, 
hybrid team structures to be able to do that. What it also does is it gives that brick and mortar feeling. So what we're missing in virtual is the feeling that we got when we were in the hallway, in the parking lot, outside the restroom, in the break room, in the, the taco truck. You have to duplicate those feelings. So customizing schedules and hybrid team structures and even hybrid self-directed teams are really good strategies for work at home. And that's what we help companies do. And you know what? Communication, collaboration is a part of that. I've got a family member who is a contact center agent for a large BPO. He says he feels like he's on an island working mm -hmm. from home. There's, he has real, literally no communication with his manager or teammates. So depending on what's going on on a call or text or whatever he's working on, he, he doesn't have the team that he can, you know, I worked in a call center. I could turn to the person in the cube next to me or just raise my hand and my manager would come over. Um, that was a long time ago, <laughs> raising your hand. Um, but he doesn't have that. And I think that especially work from home, there needs to be better means of having that community feel and being able to communicate with, with your coworkers, team leads, supervisors, so that you know, you're able to properly handle the, the customer interaction you're on. Exactly. So what would we do in brick and mortar, Darren? We would go into the break room. We'd say, oh, I had this problem on this call. Somebody would come up and say, oh, I've had the same problem. Then they start talking. Then they come up with an idea, right? This is what happens in brick and mortar. And then they go, as they're walking back to their desk in brick and mortar, they see the manager, they see the soup or whatever, the director comes in and they're waving, oh, we've got an idea, we've got an idea. And that person stops and has a conversation and it starts the ball rolling. We are operating in a vacuum and work at home if you haven't re-engineered how, how you do that. So if your family member was being asked where the gaps were, were being put on a pilot team to try something new, measured their own results, wrote their own schedule, it doesn't cost the company any more money to do this, but it's a different way of leading. And that sometimes scares people because it's, the problem seems so big. They don't know what to do first, second, and third. And there is a process for that, of course. Yeah. So given your extensive background with brick and mortar and work from home environments, um, give us some background on how you came up with the new concept for interactive consulting and leadership development that drives operational excellence, performance, and retention with virtual live labs. Okay. So my very, I have a different background than most people. Most people started it as an agent. I did not. I was hired as a director. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I was hired as a director to change the culture from customer service to sales. And so that, that was the whole drift. And that's why they hired me. I was up against people with lots of training experience, lots of contact center experience, and they hired me. And it was a 600 seat contact center. And it was in brick and mortar. It was my very first job. The CEO walked into my office 45 minutes into my new job and said to me, Vicki, I need you to hold your first paycheck. I can't make payroll. So I remember thinking, and I was a newly single parent. I had a high schooler, a junior high, no child support. I needed this job and I had a mortgage on land. So I had, you know, I had a mortgage. And so I was like, how do I do this? And so I could either quit or I could just figure it out. Well, you know, I don't usually quit. So I was going to figure it out. So what I had to do is I had to figure out how to find the, the challenges quickly and how to infuse leadership skills into them at the same time. And since I was not an agent, I had no preconceived notions. I had no clue. I didn't even know what a call center was when I got the job, right? Mm -hmm. And something happens when you put people in cubes. It sort of takes on a life of its own. So over to the floor I went and in listening to people, I'd say, well, what do you think we should do? Because I didn't have a clue. I knew how to drive and change the culture. But by giving them the power and then trying their ideas, and I didn't have time to measure everything and we had antiquated systems back then. So they were, they were measuring their own and coming up and morphing their own process and remeasuring it. I had all these pockets going on in three wings of a contact center. And then I would go in and I would, I would get them in the middle of the floor. And as they were reporting, I would start infusing things for them to do with their team from a strategy perspective and leadership. How do you motivate? How do you get a chain reaction to start within your group so they're motivating each other? How do you do that? How do you get them to buy into your goals? Mm -hmm. These are leadership strategies. Most contact centers have, how do you hold a team meeting? How do you listen to a call? How do you score the call? How do you do attendance? Those are management. Leadership is different, right? When you're in the heat of battle every day, we're driving for market share, we're trying to drive our company's brand, we literally, are in a battle. And so how do you get people on board? And they want to get on board. 
You do it by engaging them. So that's when the, all these processes started happening. So we were able to reduce the time to hire. We reduced the nesting process. We came up with more formalized training. We increased conversion rates by 300% in 90 days. We did this because I didn't do it. I had no clue. And there was really no leaders. They didn't even have team leaders in 600 seat <laughs> contact centers, team leaders. So that started me on the journey. And so what's happened is these companies that I've gone to work for as a leader have needed accelerated results. And so I've just, through the years, I've put this, this program together. So you have interacting consulting where instead of just asking for information and telling them what they need to do, and putting the big fancy presentation together. And then I always say this, if they knew how to do it, they would have done it already. Why do they need a consultant, mm -hmm. right? They don't. But if you get, if you do interactive consulting and they're driving their own processes, they're driving their own pilot programs before they roll out and measuring it themselves, they're now engaged, they're excited. So they talk faster, they type faster. Guess what? HT goes down. Mm -hmm. Productivity goes up. And if they're excited, they show up. So your staffing requirements are met. They don't need to out because they don't want to miss and they're learning something. Why go to another call center mm -hmm. when you could be staying in your contact center and, and learning? That's how I came up with it. And now today, Virtual Live Labs, well, I can help lots of companies. And that's what we do. We infuse them with this two-part process that they do at the same time. So we get accelerated results. So we can slash absenteeism and attrition. We can slash it. Um, I've had instances of two, 300% attrition slashed down below 75%. I've taken from 125% annualized to 30%. One of my centers had 3% annualized attrition. Mm -hmm. And we can take absenteeism in a lot of the companies, 25 to 28% per day. And wow. we can just reduce that to single digits and very quick within 90 days. Mm -hmm. So CSATs go up. Productivity goes up, people show up. So all that affects your bottom line. And in a sales environment, if you're selling in the contact center, you're gonna see your upsells go up, your revenue goes up. All of that affects your bottom line. And so really it's about looking at it totally different. And that's what Virtual Live Labs does. It simultaneously drives operational you know, efficiencies to make it an excellent operation while at the same time infusing new work at home leadership skills and strategies to all layers of leadership. Very cool. Um, before I ask my next question, it's going to be around the results you've seen and KPI improvements and, and uh, other statistics. But real quick, what what kind of are there specific industries you work in? Or what what are the sizes of companies? What types of companies? What type of industries are they? Great. Uh, consumer products, consumer services, so financial services, healthcare, e-commerce, those are the, the types of verticals. Uh, as far as size, um, it's all different sizes. We have Fortune 100 clients. We've got, you know, 50 seat contact centers as well, and everything sort of in between. It really is really dependent on, on what they need done. Now, if we went into a 35,000 seat contact center, we wouldn't do all 35,000 at the same time. We would do pockets of virtual live labs throughout the organization. And what's great is the supervisors and, and managers don't have to stop their jobs, their normal jobs to start working with us because we're working on real life challenges right there in the virtual live labs. I love that. That's fantastic. So let's get to some specific results that, that your clients have experienced with working with you. Okay. So I mentioned the attrition ones. That, that's huge, especially when people are leaving. Mm -hmm. um, at Virtual Live Labs, we take KPIs every 30 days. So when I had an SVP ask me, well, Vicki, how do we know that this is going to work? I was like, well, there's no long-term contracts. You sign up for 30 days at a time. We take beginning and ending KPI. So we may not be working on CSAT challenges, but if we're working on process improvement, if we're working on things that are stopping people from being successful, we're automatically going to tick the CSATs up. Mm -hmm. So um, examples that we've seen, uh, uh, speed to competency in brand new people from 65% six weeks after they hit the floor to um, 86%. And we've, that's very, very consistent with our clients. Um, so speed to competency. Uh, average handle time will go down a minute or two out of a 15 minute average handle time. Um, so the average handle time goes down. Uh, utilization, you know, we've gone from 65% to like 82, 83%. Utilization always goes up as well. That's one mm -hmm. because people are, are excited. Um, absenteeism, 
Uh, let me see, we had someone start at 25%, they are down to eight. We had someone start at 21%, they're down to eight. Um, I've seen 28% down to 9%. I mean, the, the, the results are very consistent because let's be honest, <laughs> contact centers, this isn't rocket science. We, we answer customer interactions, that's what we do. We're not, we're not doing brain surgery. So we know what's gonna work and so we, we, we do a gap analysis with their help. We identify what they're trying to do and we go for the low hanging fruit, Darren. What's cheap, what's fast? Mm -hmm. You know, let's not start on the big, you know, CRM project because there's a lot of things that'll give us efficiencies. We can do that, but, and that's where your company comes in, right? Picking out technology. But what we can do simultaneously is literally be able to start plugging the gaps so that people can, can um, you know, be more productive. So and here's another example. It was taking 15 minutes with one of our clients for people to start work. They log in, they're fixing this, they're reading email. We got that down to five minutes. And we did so by utilizing technology they already had. Now, supervisors had to change the process. We use their technology different way than they're currently using it now. Mm -hmm. But we were able to band-aid it together. And now they're, they're going to want to look at some technology that would really soup that up. But that 10 minutes, uh, they have about 1,800 people. That's a, mm -hmm. lot of, that's a lot of minutes on utilization, right, that they were wasting before. And they feel more engaged. Uh, employee engagement surveys, their, their, their happiness with their job in the mm -hmm. 60s and 70s, up to 85 to 90%. So we're seeing really good increases and we're seeing money saved off the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, the things you've, you've been covering, you know, absenteeism, attrition, uh, utilization, these are all the most expensive things for a contact center. So you fix those. I mean, the amount of savings the ROI that a client must see working with you, but the savings they must experience from these improvements must be mind-blowing. Well, they're excited about it, and that's why they, they keep renewing every month, right? So mm -hmm. the burden of proof is on virtual live labs mm -hmm. to be able to show the KPIs moving. But is what's really interesting is your first-line supervisors and your agents, they know where the gaps are. I mean, they just know. And you see patterns in every single context. I mean, there's nuances depending on what industry or how old their technology is, or even how young or old their agent base is, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to see differences, but all, they're all pretty much the same. And so we're able to see those, uh, those gains. And that's why every senior level person is happy because if we make them look like rock stars, right? Mm -hmm. And we showcase yeah. those people in videos as well. Mm -hmm. inside their own companies. That's wonderful. Making people look like heroes. That's, uh, that's right. A, that's the name of that's the game. a winning concept. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. So let's talk about how this whole concept works. Um, kind of walk us through it. Okay. So what we do is we come in and there's a series of four weekly learning forums inside a month. Sometimes we do two or three as they move through our process, but usually it's four per month. And these last anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. And we're working on real life business challenges. For example, how do you walk the virtual floor? What behavior patterns are you looking for? Mm -hmm. What do you say? How many times a day do you do it? And so we actually get in the virtual live labs and we help them do it while they're working with their teams. Mm -hmm. So another one of our tools is how to create a chain reaction. And we do that while they're in the virtual live labs, while they're working with their team. The neat thing that's great with virtual is as we're evolving these skills, we can be in the background on chat and no one knows we're chatting them what to say. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that in brick and mortar, right? Nope. You can't do that in brick and mortar, only in virtual. Yeah. So that's one. The other thing we do is these communication feedback loops. So we use video, we use discussion boards, we use chat. Uh, we, we try to use whatever they've got and we're great at band-aiding things together. And so we create this communication feedback loop where we're gathering information, we're feeding it back to them. We're asking for information on surveys and discussion boards and chats, and then we're feeding it back to them, asking them how we want them to fix these certain gaps. So everybody on the front lines gets to participate. So they feel totally engaged. And when these communication feedback loops happen, then literally it'd be like me staying in the hall and saying, hey, you know, that survey said that 80% of you felt like the scheduling software sucks. 
So I would do another video and say, what do we need to do? What are your suggestions? And then we take all that information and we feed it back. And then we might break them up into groups and they don't have to be off the phones or emails. They can literally be in chat rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, we could take them off and do focus groups. It depends on what the company's culture is really, how they want to handle it. So we work within their realms. Um, and then we, um, we literally just move through closing gaps, doing the weekly learning forums where we're infusing more information into them and strategies. And then we're working on the gaps with them behind the scenes. So for example, we did a program that we were trying to move middle performers to 90% status. And I told them they were going to do it in three weeks. And they told me it couldn't be done. So we did it in five weeks. Then we did it in four weeks. Mentally, the program stayed the same. It was their mm -hmm. mental capacity. That's all they thought they could do. And when they could move somebody from 65% to 90% CSAT in less than three weeks, and we proved that they could do it, this is them, not us. Then we were able to document that process and they documented it themselves, working mm -hmm. with someone from their PMO office. But that's how we get this interdepartmental collaboration, which gives people visibility into other departments because they're not going to be operating in silos anymore. Human mm -hmm. resources is a big part of what we do. We bring them along. They're involved from the beginning. And so is IT, uh, even accounting. It depends on, you know, what type of company we're in. And then we feed this back once a month in a presentation. We don't even do the presentation. The managers do the presentation because this is how we teach them how to do it. And then they practice just like they would, only we're coaching them. And then we're in the background as well, in case they forget something, we're chatting them and their boss doesn't even know. So we're literally able to infuse these skills while fixing their operational gaps and putting them through these weekly learning forums. Mm -hmm. it, you know, your process it reminds me, you know, you uh, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. And, and what you're doing is essentially teaching them to become leaders and uh, so it's not like you walk away at any point and everything falls apart. They're able to take the skills and the processes and they're able to continue using that moving forward. Exactly. We had an instance where um, we had an internal help desk that was not uh, productive. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I took an assistant call center manager and we had them lead the project. They had no project management skills. We used Excel, you know, you know, just, just, you know, in the trenches, right? Mm -hmm. And so this person was exposed to a director, an international director. They never would have met in brick and mortar and never would have ever if we hadn't been there. They, they met the business analyst team. They interacted with the help desk manager, right? And they all work together. And then we have a tool where we keep everybody up to speed. And they literally were driving that and they were driving their meetings. And I was actually, I was on this particular one. I was literally chatting him while he was leading the meeting. And we literally moved this and got this whole process done. Investigation, new reporting, employees trained on both sides, a thousand seat contact center in less than four weeks. Now you never would have been able to do that if you had called the project managers in. And mm -hmm. this guy got infused with these great leadership skills. And we launched a, com a command center off of that that was able to be the intricate part without their labor dollars going up because we reallocated mm -hmm. labor dollars. So it really just is sort of spreads like wildfire and there's a chain reaction that happened that affects the KPIs and the bottom line. I was going to ask what a chain reaction meant, but now I understand. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, so does this help contact center leaders uh, get the next generation of leaders ready? Does it help organizations build a true leadership bench? Yeah, really good point on this. So think about seasonal surges, right? Mm -hmm. Think about product launches. Think about um, if you're having people leave for reasons, you need to build your bench deep and it needs to be big. And so this is also another way to hold agents in and not have them a trip out is that they're learning new skills that help them become a leader. And you can have these pseudo leaders all through your teams that are helping the supervisor or team leader. And you can just make your teams a little bit bigger if you're allocating different duties. And so this is one of the things we work on at Virtual Live Labs. And it's actually in my book, The Leadership Toolbox. Um, I explain this and give examples in there as well. But it absolutely builds a leadership bench like that assistant contact center manager. Today, he's a contact center manager. He got promoted. 
he got visibility and he got new skills. Normally there's no training as you move up the ladder, right? It's mm -hmm. like by osmosis. Somebody told me they're watching YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so this is what we teach them to do. And agents to supervisors, you know, we're teaching them, but here's the hardest part, a supervisor to the next level, whatever that happens to be, because now you're managing through somebody else mm -hmm. instead of doing it yourself and going right to the agent, you have to manage through somebody. And so a lot of companies will suddenly give you three teams and you've never managed one through somebody else. Mm -hmm. In one of my organizations, uh, a client, they, they, 10, suddenly they went from managing one team of 20 to managing 10 teams of 20 each. Well, they fell flat on their face. I was like, why mm -hmm. are we, well, that's what we do. That's yeah. how the, you know, that's how the, the numbers work, right? I was like, there's ways to massage this that doesn't cost any more labor dollars, but gives you an opportunity to get these people and move them up the ladder. Mm -hmm. They have to be successful. If they don't, they skirt the system. You know what I'm saying? They, they don't tell the truth, not that they lie, but they just skirt it and they may just not show up to a meeting and be sick that day. They may do this, oh, we know we're gathering all the data and I'm going to get to you next week, you know, spiel. I mean, they're going to start avoiding management and they're going to start shrinking back and then they leave the company. Yeah. They're trying to fake it till they make it, but sometimes there's not enough time to fake it. Or nobody to <laughs> Well, yeah, because ultimately you see people, you know, a call center. All right, you're an agent and you did a good job. So now you're a supervisor. Well, who says that because you're a good agent, you could teach or properly supervise anybody? And then you're a good supervisor. Now you're a call center manager. And uh, in, in a lot of cases, if they haven't been groomed for it and in a manner that allows them to grow into that role, it's just going to be failure. No, you're, you're absolutely right. We have to give them a reason to be successful. That'll help mm -hmm. build their confidence mm -hmm. and that'll help them be more productive for the company. And then it's just so much better for everybody. Then they're out there telling their friends, it's easier to recruit, you build a recruiting brand. So it just really helps all around from a holistic perspective when you re-engineer how you, how you lead basically and how your organization is structured. Mm -hmm. So you probably don't work with everyone that comes along. Um, how do you choose your clients? Um, for, so from your perspective, who do you choose to work with? Great question. Um, they mentally have to be in the right place. Mm -hmm. that, that, that truly is it. They have to be willing to try new things and they need to put their ego on the back burner. Mm -hmm. um, that's what they need more than anything else. Because um, people are people, no matter what industry, I don't care if we're dealing with nurses in a triage situation for a healthcare company or, or somebody in financial services, people are people. And so you really, it's the mindset and really it comes down to leadership because here's something else we see. Leadership bring, wants to bring us in, mm -hmm. um, but they're not ready to implement it. So we, we can teach at the bottom up to the middle managers because that's of course where they're needed the most. Mm -hmm. But if it's not reinforced by upper management, it's going to fall by the wayside because they're not going to understand the program. So our mm -hmm. best clients, the ones we agree to work with, are the ones where the leadership is like, yeah, I had, I had a, a, a SVP say to me, teach me, Becky. What mm -hmm. do I need to do? I'm like, okay, are you sure? Just, just teach me what I need to do because I'm not, I'm not getting through to my people. But, you know, he wasn't an egomaniac. He mm -hmm. really wanted to serve and that's what we need. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to be the hero. And fear enters into it. Uh, true story. Uh, we were dealing with eight prospective companies, and this is over a seven-week period. And I was on with my team, at least one of the people on my team. After every one of these calls, we're talking C-level and SVP level, seven different companies. Mm -hmm. My operations manager said to me, Vicki, they're going to lose their job, all of them. After every call, he's going to lose his job, she's going to lose her job. Six out of eight lost their job within 30 days. And here's mm. the reason. They thought they had an 18-month runway, a 90-day runway, a six-month runway. Right now, people's uh, you know, nerves are running, they're running short, right? They're, they're frustrated. And all this buildup since March of 2020, they want results now. So people need to be able to move quickly, but we can only move as fast as that organization will emotionally let us. But trust me, we're going to move it right up to the rail. Um, but they're all different. But we have to have a leader that's willing to jump on board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what, level, uh, what levels of leadership are you typically working with? All of them. 
Now, not as much time, right? We're going to spend more time with supervisors and contact center managers and probably a director. The VP, what they're doing is we're teaching them how to do proper town halls. We're teaching them communication feedback loops and different forms of communication so they can touch the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same with the C-level. So I will pick up the phone and say to a chief executive officer, I need you to place these three calls and I'm going to tell you what to say and I'm going to give you the numbers. Will you do it? Yes, Vicki, I'll Mm -hmm. do it. And I need you to text me when you're done. Right. So I send them the email. They'll do their three calls. It takes about four minutes and they've done their part. But when we get to on the ground with the agents, the first level supervisors, the call center managers, the directors, the QA, the even HR, we're intimately involved because they need more because they have the interaction with the front lines and the customers. Yeah, that makes it both. And you need the, the C-levels pretty much. You just need to be your champions. Because if everyone else knows that the CEO, CPO, CIO, whoever is on board with this, likes it, loves it, and uh, is a proponent for it, well, then that helps you working with, say, the middle management (laughs) who might be apprehensive at first. I ran a very large organization and I did three to five videos a week utilizing these communication feedbacks personally Mm -hmm. uh, as a leader of this organization. And... um, I, I did a road trip and I was out, you know, in the field meeting agents and having leadership development. And we were doing this uh, sort of road trip. Um, and what, what amazed me is as I traveled across the country, um, I would meet with one agent at a Starbucks or I would meet with 150 or 200 at a, at a hotel, depending on what area it was. But what amazed me more than anything else, Darren, is people felt they knew me. How can you manage thousands of people? and mm-hmm. be on the ground seeing them for the very first time. And yet they had a connection. They brought their parents, their spouses, their kids, their dogs, they wanted pictures with me. And that has nothing to do with just me. It's that I was able to connect with them on the ground. They felt they knew me because of these communication feedback loops. That's what you want at your executive level. You want them to connect with you. Absolutely. So what else maybe that we haven't covered or what questions haven't I asked that you think might be relevant and that maybe we should bring up here before we close this out? Well, I think one of the questions is, you know, how do people get a hold of us and what does that look like? Um, Yeah. We do brainstorming sessions. So, you know, when people call or email or I I meet them, um, what they're doing is um, they're scheduling a call with us and we're literally doing some brainstorming. And uh, what we're doing is I want them to walk away with something, not just us asking a bunch of questions and giving them a proposal. I want them to be able to walk away with something that they could do immediately and go back to their team and infuse that into their team. So it really is a brainstorming session instead of me asking them 35 questions and sending them a proposal. Mm -hmm. No, it's a free flowing discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, With them, sometimes it starts at the sea level. Sometimes it's a group of people. Um, I will tell you that before we take on an assignment, we usually like to talk to HR and other people that are touching the front lines to make sure that everybody's understanding what we do, because we don't want to operate in a vacuum. Um, and then once we you know, give a proposal, then it's, it's rather quick. We get them into the schedule and we start down that process. But we've got, I will tell you what we do have. We've got some case studies, but if you go to in, um, there's information, free resources at the top. Mm-hmm. There's 35 videos. If you scroll down and what they're seeing right now, we've divided them into these categories. And these are snippets of podcasts and things that I've done specifically about certain questions. And this is tactical. They can go right out there and they can learn something immediately. We've got a YouTube channel, although most people go to our website. Um, and this way they can get some ideas on how to build culture, how to engage and I, you know, I talk fast, right? So I'm going to infuse a lot of ideas from that mm-hmm. page. And people are more than welcome just to go watch the videos and then try them. And then we always encourage people to say, hey, drop us a line at info at virtuallivelabs.com and tell us what your results have been by utilizing something. And we get some pretty cool uh, testimonials by people. I have one gal that um, was actually just from videos and I talked with her once. Over the course of six months, she was promoted to an SVP position. Um, And I have a gal that I worked with uh, two months ago that's been promoted already. So these are just from people reaching out and from people watching the videos. So there's a lot of really great information on our website. Wow. People will go there and utilize it. Awesome. 
Well, Vicki, you're a call center hero. That's what I think. Oh, thanks, Darren. And thanks for the platform. I love what you guys are doing because it makes our job a lot easier that we can just bring one of your advisors in to help us with the, the technology piece while we help with the business, you know, what, what they need on the floor. And it's a great partnership. Um, and then they're able to pick out the right technology and help our clients make the right decisions and mm -hmm. giving them some choices. Um, so it's, it's a great partnership and we really do appreciate everything you're doing for our clients. We're peas and carrots. We go together. Absolutely. <laughs> so if somebody wants to learn more or contact you or a member of your team, they can come to your site at virtuallivelabs.com. And I know you have links here throughout where people can click on it and engage and sign up for your newsletter. And then there's also a contact, uh, contact us section where they can click to schedule a call uh, and fill out your form. Uh, anything else we should add? They should look for your YouTube videos as well as what's here on the site. Um, and is there a phone number to call? Is there best bet to, to reach out to the website? Uh, best way to, to reach out to the website. And then we, we answer very quickly. Um, and then also on LinkedIn, they can follow Virtual Live Labs on LinkedIn. We're constantly posting content. Um, articles that we've seen, videos that I've done, um, you know, some positive sayings, some, some case studies are out there, some of our results. Um, that's an article right there on attrition that I just wrote. I've got another one coming out actually today um, um, in uh, ICMI and HDI. I'm a contributor uh, to their online magazine. So I'm constantly writing and I blog for CCNG. I'm a member of SOCAP. So, you know, we're out there um, trying to help with as much free resources as we possibly can. Awesome. Well, I sure do enjoy your blogs and articles and repost as many as I can. Wonderful uh, for you to join me here today and spend some time with me. Uh, great information that you shared. And uh, folks, please reach out to Vicki and Virtual Live Labs to learn more. Thanks, Darren. Thank you, Vicki. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks again for joining me. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Contact Center Gurus podcast. Make sure to visit our sponsor pages, Support Logic at www.supportlogic.io, Balto at www.balto.ai, OzoneTel at www.ozonetel.com, Cloud Tech Gurus at www .cloudtechgurus.com Don't forget to subscribe and we will see you next time.